ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಘುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಹೈ ಸ್ವಾಧ್ಯಾಯಸ್ತಪ ಆರ್ಜವ ಅಹಿಂಸಾಸತ್ಯಮಕ್ರೋಧಾಂತಿರಪೈಶುನಂಶಾಂತಿರಪೈಶುನಂತಿರಪೈಶುನಂಭೂತೆಶ್ವಲ
mana <coughs> but then we cannot retaliate because we are helpless <coughs> but even when you are able to retaliate and still you do not retaliate out of an understanding and sympathy for the other person it's a big thing shama forgiveness or accommodation is a very uh, great uh, quality to have in sanskrit it is said kshama virasya bhushanam kshama or forgiveness is the is the embellishment ornament of a courageous person it requires an inner courage strength i should say inner strength you become so big that whatever offense the other person commits doesn't affect you it is because of understanding the other person the two step approach rather than retaliating to the external behavior you look at the person behind the behavior and then it will be very clear that the person who is acting in an angry aggressive hurtful harsh manner within within himself or herself that person is helpless that person is in pain and person is helpless not able to control one impulse not able to resolve the pain and that pain or hurt which is there is coming out in the form of this behavior <clears throat> that's a fact but that's a big thing to be able to to be able to create a distance with the apparent behavior and to be able to make our mind see the person behind the behavior and that happens if i do not internalize what the person is saying or the way the person is behaving if we do not internalize we remind ourselves that this is the opinion or understanding of this person i do not have to make it my opinion this generally doesn't happen moment somebody says to me you are stupid or fool immediately i retaliate because habitually i make it my opinion you say you're stupid i say i'm stupid and i don't like that being stupid that's why i react with anger but if i could at that time remind tell my remind myself that that is this person's opinion i don't want to make it my opinion <laughs> that is creating it is that's a two two step approach in that case i will enjoy the composure to be able to respond to the situation as the situation calls for <clears throat> with sympathy for that person and that forgiveness that comes out of sympathy is the real forgiveness people say forgive him swami ji i forgive him forgive him whatever that's not forgiving 
just by announcing that I'm forgiving, forgiving doesn't happen. Because in my mind, anger or resentment still remains. I'm not resolved. I'm not resolved that event or person's behavior. But when I resolve, I realize that a retaliation is not in order. Because the person is helpless, in pain. Never sympathy or compassion is in order. That is the value of Kshama, the forgiveness or accommodation that arises on account of a genuine sympathy, which is a result of understanding where the other person is coming from. Not what the external behavior is, where the other person is coming from. <coughs> coming from helplessness and pain. Shama. <coughs> Thus, even though there is the ability to strike back, to retaliate, to punish, and still you do not do that, instead you are able to show display the sympathy and accommodate the person, forgive the person, then if no sense of hurt is left in the mind, then alone we can say that it is kshama or forgiveness. Because sometimes we declare outwardly are forgiven, but the sense of hurt continues to remain in my mind. And that hurt will cause resentment and anger. So again, all these values are meant for our own well-being. As I said, we are not obliging someone else by following the values. We are obliging our own selves. It's for our own mental health, <coughs> spiritual health. Not easy. Shama is not easy, but we have to work and we have to cultivate that strength, cultivated composure to be able to create a distance, remain alert, because when we are not alert, we are governed by our impulse and we act. After the whole event is over, then I realize that I was not supposed to do this, I was not supposed to say that. So I, even if I have value for remaining calm or composed, if I am not alert and if I cannot keep under control my natural impulse of retaliation, I will not be able to follow that value. Therefore, following value requires one, understanding what the value means. Number two, how valuable that value is. And therefore, a conviction that that value is valuable to me, that I follow the value for my own well-being, then the alertness, when the occasion for practicing that value comes, alertness, and then practicing it. All these steps are required. Tija, <coughs> Kshama, if there is one Kshama, everything is, one value will bring everything else. Or you require all other values also to practice one value. <coughs> but ahimsa and kshama, non-violence 
and forgiveness. These are great values. <coughs> Non-violence is my value, meaning that I do not want to hurt anybody. When I respond, I respond with the spirit of non-violence. When someone hurts me, then my response is one of kshama, of forgiveness. <coughs> Common question is, Swamiji, I do not hurt others, but they hurt me. Then our attempt is to display kshama, of forgiveness. <coughs> As I said, it's much easier to talk about the values than practice them. Because we have limitations in controlling our impulses and limitations in also putting up with pain. Because to control my feeling of hurt and resentment, it requires strength and also I have to suffer that pain. And so, Practicing all these values will depend upon, as we said yesterday, my threshold of pain. The extent to which I am able to bear the pain, to that extent, I follow the value. When I find Swamiji, if I forgive them, then they think that I am weak, they will take me for granted. We discussed it yesterday, no? All these values, in fact, are expressions of inner strength. And anybody will see whether you are strong or whether you are weak. People always respect strength. <coughs> Even if they don't respect, it is their problem. Again, we did not make it our problem. Dhrutihi, <coughs> <coughs> next one. Fortitude. Dhairya, fortitude. How it is explained? Dehendrihishu, avasadam prapteshu. When during an endeavor, we find that our body, our sense organs, the mind is all, is all tired, there is fatigue or tedium. <coughs> like you are climbing a mountain, and you get tired. The legs cannot walk anymore. First impulse is to go back. People return also. But then, dhruti, dhairya, fortitude is that quality of the mind that enthuses the fatigued body and this mind and rejuvenates them to continue with the endeavor. <coughs> that is called Dhairyam. And in even in this spiritual pursuit, very often we get disappointed. Things we cannot do that. Swamiji is impossible. Kshama is impossible. Non-Vayana is not possible. Prasada Buddhi, accepting everything as Ishwara is not possible. I can't do it. That time, so mind gets disappointed at that time enthusing, says, no, certainly you can do that. Hey, moksha is your nature, it's not to be accomplished. It is accomplishment was already accomplished. Even understand that all these divine traits, 
such as non-violence or forgiveness or compassion, also is our nature. All the values that are prescribed here are natural to us, meaning that each one of us has these values in one measure or the other. And we do display them from time to time. This is the nature of the mind because mind is by nature divine. We are divine. Not only the self, even mind also by nature is divine. As you said, the opposite traits, the demoniac traits are only intruders, which we have inadvertently allowed to enter and take hold of our house. And now we have to push them out. So we should remind ourselves that no, this has to happen. Upanishad says, Satyameva Jayate Narutam. The truth alone wins ultimately. Falsehood does not win. So truth is the nature of myself. It has to win today or tomorrow. Never continue to struggle. Continue to fight against these this demons or the demoniac tendency. Thus, reminding ourselves and enthusing and again continuing our endeavor. <coughs> that is called Dhrutihi or fortitude. Shaucham, next one, cleanliness is also a value. <coughs> it is explained that cleanliness is twofold. One is external cleanliness, other is the inner cleanliness. What is external cleanliness? Cleanliness of the body, of the clothes, and of the place where we are. Being clean and neat and organized. That's one value. Sometimes when you visit, some people, you know, Swamiji, I keep these rooms closed. Yeah. We shut the door, that one mother told me. Shut the door. Don't look at those rooms. Otherwise you boil inside. Sometimes your children's room you can't see. I don't know how this, this boy or girl, where does it, with a step? There's no place to put a step there. Was a clothes, all things are lying just on the floor. And, and when a Swami is visiting, then mother would like that the whole house is neat and clean. She keeps standing there. Nothing happens. Close the door, that's all. A value for neatness, cleanliness. They say cleanliness is next to godliness. In English they say cleanliness is next to godliness. External cleanliness also then, it keeps our mind also organized, disciplined. <coughs> and of course more important is inner cleanliness. Cleanliness of our mind. Like a white cloth, how it picks up stains, how it picks up dirt easily, and how we should wash it every day. Similarly also, <coughs> our mind picks up these stains and dirt. In day-to-day -day interactions, 
talking to somebody on the phone, meeting somebody, whatever, the transaction will leave a certain residue, a little anger because of what that person, a little bit, a little hurt, little jealousy. Oh, that person got promotion. I say congratulations, means that I'm jealous. Hurt, guilt, anger, jealousy. These little things come. We don't pay attention. We uh, engage ourselves in the next task. But what is meant by shaucham or inner cleanliness also is a value for keeping our mind clean. Just as we clean this cloth with a detergent, so also we should be always vigilant to keep our mind clean by the detergent of what we call Pratipaksha Bhavana, which we discussed last night also. Pratipaksha Bhavana means deliberately assuming an opposite point of view. If jealousy is created because of a certain point of view, I deliberately take the opposite point of view. I am jealous of a person because the person got away with more than I did. Person is more accomplished than I am. I am jealous. The opposite standpoint is rather than becoming unhappy by the by other person's happiness, may I become happy by other person's happiness. Suppose I was in that position, how would I have felt? I would have wished other people to congratulate me. So let me congratulate him. The jealousy can be overcome by the spirit of congratulation. Being happy at the happiness of other person. If you do that, then that little stain of jealousy will be wiped out. Anger has arisen, little anger. I deliberately make my mind see the other aspect of the person. That person is cruel right now, but the person has been kind also on many occasions. And so, I make my mind see the kindness of that person, and so the impulse of anger that arises by the cruelty gets diffused. Thus constantly watching the tendencies arising in our mind, and constantly diffusing them. Whenever you find any negative tendency which disturbs the mind, then be alert to keep on diffusing by the Pratipaksha Bhavana. Saucham Adroha Freedom from malice or freedom from a thought of hurting somebody else. Parajigamsa abhavaha, an absence of attacking somebody, hurting somebody, retaliating. Ahimsanam, not hurting. So, adroha, absence of droha or malice. <coughs> we talked about ahimsa, non-violence. Here adroha, also absence of droha or malice or, or, or hurting somebody. In one case, that impulse arises and I diffuse it. In another case, impulse does not arise. In Ahimsa, 
the impulse of violence may arise and I subdue it or I diffuse it. Adroha, that impulse does not arise. That my mind doesn't even ever think of hurting somebody or attacking somebody. I just don't have any malicious uh, tendency or spirit. Always wish well of others. Adroha. Wish well of others, whoever they are. Wish them well. Sarvai bhavanta sukhinaha. May everybody be happy. May everybody be healthy. I remind my mind. Whenever my mind wishes ill of somebody, he deserves that. This is what should happen. Immediately I remind my mind. Sarvai bhavanta sukhinaha. Mind, wish them well. Let them be happy. Let them be healthy. <coughs> Finally, na atimanita. Manita, the, the demand for respect which arises from in a, 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 uh, looking upon oneself as honorable or respectable. When I look upon myself as honorable or respectable, then there arises a demand for honor or respect from others. So manita, a person demands respect or honors from others. Atimanita, too much demanding respect. Meaning, having a very inflated or exaggerated opinion about oneself. A sudden or self-respect is good. That I respect myself is good. So that, I feel comfortable with myself. But then, when I start respecting myself too much, I think very highly of myself. Then there is this haughtiness. <clears throat> and I become demanding of other people that they should respect me, they should honor me. And the result is only being hurt because people will not do that. And so, the absence of excessive pride. A certain amount of self-pride is okay, which is self-respect. <coughs> and what self-respect does is, it does not allow me to do anything that is not in keeping with my dignity. A certain dignity. Certain, and therefore, I cannot do this. I cannot compromise my values. I cannot do something that is not befitting me. I cannot do something that does not behoove of me. So that which keeps me on my track, that kind of self-respect is fine. But when that self-respect goes to a point when I start demanding respect from others, then it is hurtful or it is damaging me. This is the <coughs> tendencies. These are divine tendencies are possessed by the person who is born with the divine tendencies or who is bhavi <coughs> kalyanasya. These are the tendencies possessed by a person 
who is going to be fulfilled in his life, <coughs> who is going to gain, who is going to make progress, and ultimately who is going liberated. These are tendencies which are which make a person very fortunate. All these are signs of a great fortune that we possess these tendencies. So all these are told to us so that we deliberately and consciously cultivate them. <coughs> now the next verse tells us about the opposite which we should get rid of. Dambho darpo bhimanascha Krodaf parushyamevacha Ajnanam chabhijatasya Parthasampadamasurim Basically, a human being is uncomfortable with his or her own self. There is an undercurrent of self-non-acceptance because of ignorance, as we discussed, because of ignorance of the true nature of myself. Not knowing that I am limitless or I am a complete being, not knowing that. And taking myself to be wanting, lacking, limited, <coughs> results into a self-non-acceptance, a self-dissatisfaction, a self-dislike sometimes, a self-rejection, even self-condemnation. So all of these tendencies that we are descri- now described here, usually a person enjoying the divine wealth, is the person who is comfortable with himself or herself. <coughs> Find the person happy, cheerful. Because the mind is sattvic, mind is pure, mind is relatively pure or clean, and therefore that anand or happiness becomes evident. Like in a pond of water, if the water is clean, the surface is quiet, then the body of water is transparent and you can see the bottom very clearly. Add some dirt in this water and then slowly and slowly the bottom becomes, you know, less and less clear. If the surface also is disturbed, then it becomes more difficult. So also when our mind is essentially free from impurities, then it is like that transparent pool of water. And what is at the bottom of the mind is the self, which is ananda or happiness, that becomes evident in our mind, without any effort. As the mind gets pure, you find yourself happy, without any effort. Because the simple reason that happiness is the nature of the self. It is the impurities and agitations of the mind which deprive me of the experience of the happiness. As my mind gets cleaner, the agitations are fewer, mind becomes quieter, more composed, then the the happiness which is myself gets reflected. I experience it. And so I find myself 
happy with myself. Then I'll be happy with others also. My behavior also will be naturally very good. More unhappy I am with myself, more uncomfortable I am with myself, more at conflict I am with myself, that conflict in my mind, the discomfort in my own, my, my own self, gets reflected in my behavior before others. So earlier, the Daivi Sampad people possessing the divine wealth are those who are comfortable with themselves. And the, the extent to which you have cultivated the divine tendency, to that extent you are more and more comfortable. Here is a person on the other hand who is not comfortable with himself or herself. More the impurities are, more rajas is there, more tamas is there, less and less comfort is there. And therefore, more and more agitation, more and more restlessness. And that agitation, restlessness, discomfort expresses itself in one's behavior. <coughs> so this describes the opposite of a discuss. Dambaha, darpaha, abhimanascha, dambha means pretending to be different from what I am. That is dambha. Pretentiousness, hypocrisy or pretending to be different from what I really am. Showing myself to be a very learned person or a very pious person or a very righteous person. But as I know that, I am not that. Dambaha. Dharpaha. Dharpa means pride or haughtiness or arrogance. Abhimanaha, demanding respect from others. Krodaha, anger. Parushyam, harshness or rudeness. Agnanam, ignorance. Inability to discriminate between what is right and what is wrong. Inability to discriminate between what is helpful and what is hurtful. These people invariably choose which is hurtful, thinking that it is helpful. When the mind is predominant in tamas, then the this perception becomes distorted. Adharmam dharma mitya manyate tamasavrata sarvartan viparitamsa buddhisa pārtatamase Lord Krishna says that when the buddhi of the mind is under the influence of tamas, darkness, ignorance, then what is righteous appears unrighteous, what unrighteous appears righteous. How can you blow up something otherwise? How can you blow up some place? How can you kill innocent people? But that appears to be right, that's the way to, that's what they deserve. So people who do that, who hurt others, who know nothing to do with their, in fact, this, this war that you are taking up is to be taken up with somebody. And the, you are killing people who have no relation to that. But in your mind, you are convinced that this is the right thing to do. Whole world thinks it is the wrong thing to do. 
Well, you think that, that's the right thing to do. <coughs> that's called tamas, because the perception is distorted. <coughs> so more tamas, more distortion. <coughs> more sattva, more clarity. Ajnanam chabhijatasya partha sampadamasurim He partha. The one born to this Asuri Sampat or the demoniac wells possesses this kind of tendencies. The person possessing these tendencies should be called it a demoniac person. <clears throat> so what all right, that means that these two tendencies are there, the divine and the demoniac. So what do they do to us? The verse number five tells us that. Devi Sampadvimokshaya Nibandhaya Surimata Mashucha Sampadam Daivim Abhijato Sipandava Daivi Sampad Vimokshaya This divine tendency, the divine wealth is conducive to moksha or liberation or freedom. Nibandhaya Asurimata the demoniac tendencies are conducive to bondage or suffering. So thus, Lord Krishna says that what makes me happy or unhappy is my own mind. The mind which possesses the extent to which we possess the divine traits, to that extent we are happy because we are happy with ourselves when we are happy with ourselves, we are going to be happy with others also. <coughs> On the other hand, when the demoniac tendencies are there, we are unhappy with our own selves and therefore unhappy in general. Therefore, Vedanta teaches that all you require for happiness are these divine traits. All you require to be unhappy are the demoniac traits. For becoming wealthy, you require wealth. For becoming powerful, you require power. For becoming famous, you require fame. But for becoming happy, what do you require? This inner wealth. <clears throat> so we have to choose our priorities. It's best to have both of them. Inner wealth as well as outer wealth is nice. Nothing wrong in having a comfortable life. But as Brahadarani Gopanishad says, what money can give me is comfort. Nothing can give me happiness. Because I, the self, is the only source of happiness. And that happiness becomes, I experience that when my mind enjoys purity. And when my mind is impure, then I am deprived of happiness which is my own self. Therefore, our priority should be the purification of our mind. 
by deliberately cultivating these tendencies that are described here. Devi Sampad Vimokshaya, that is conducive to moksha liberation. In fact, you find that the extent to which you develop these tendencies, you experience freedom. What is bondage anyway? Bondage is nothing but being controlled by my impulses, that's only bondage. What is bondage? There are pressures within myself that compel me to do things which are which are harmful. There are pressures within myself that compel me to do things that are harmful. That are harmful to others and harmful to me. That is the bondage. What is liberation? Liberation from inner compulsions, inner pressures, that's all. Liberation is not that I, I, I walk six inches above the ground or I go into some special place. Liberation just means owning up myself. So Lord Krishna says that the divine tendencies are conducive to liberation. You get liberated progressively. Liberation also is not an event that takes place at a given time. It's a process. And as they say, as we cultivate the divine tendencies, we experience liberation within ourselves. Liberation from these demon demons which were inside. I, I experience liberation. Experience freedom. Which culminates in total freedom. Nibandhaya <coughs> Asuri Mata. On the other hand, these demoniac tendencies are conducive to bondage. Bondage is again nothing external. More of these tendencies such as hypocrisy or pretentiousness, violence, cruelty. Ultimately, Lord Krishna will summarize or reduce all the demoniac tendencies into three. Kama, Krodha and Lobha. Kama, the tendency to indulge, krodha, anger, lobha, greed. So when any of these tendencies arises, I am under pressure. It compels me to do something. They compel me to perform an action which is a violent action. That's all the bondage there is. There is no other bondage. Politically we are all free. Socially also we are free. There is no bondage. If there is any bondage, it is within our own self. But we are, we become slaves to our own impulses. I may refuse to obey anybody else. But unfortunately, my own impulses compel me to do things. And that is the freedom. We have to gain the freedom from our own inner impulses. Asuri Nibandhayamata That by violence or greed, I may get away with some material benefits. But Lord Krishna says that it only brings about an inner bondage. An inner bondage is helplessness. Understand that an angry person is a helpless person. 
A greedy person is a helpless person. The person who cannot control one's own impulses is a helpless person. Bondage means helplessness and freedom means self-comfort. A person can be a beggar and still can be free as long as there is inner freedom. There is no inner pressure. You are happy with yourself, happy with the world, happy with the way things are. When there is no demand from you to change anything, you do not need anybody else to make you comfortable. <clears throat> That's freedom. Whereas the other person wants everything to change. Since he cannot find comfort with himself, therefore he needs the whole world to make him comfortable. When they don't do that, he gets angry, he does all kinds of things happen. So freedom means freedom from helplessness and bondage means a sense of helplessness. <clears throat> when Lord Krishna said that the divine traits are conducive for liberation, the demoniac traits are conducive for bondage, then Arjuna's face may have shown some kind of a uh, uh, expression by which Lord Krishna could see that Arjuna wants to know where do I, which, which category do I fall? And when we listen to these chapters, you know, it looks as though Swamis are describing me, it looks like. All the demoniac tendencies I, see, I seem to possess. But this is not meant, as I say, to brand ourselves or brand anybody else. All this is meant simply to learn so that we can identify those tendencies. <clears throat> but when Lord Krishna show, saw the expression on the face of Arjuna, where he was curious, so Lord Krishna says, Mash vichaha, he Arjuna, do not grieve. <clears throat> he bhai Pandava, he Arjuna, do not grieve. Daivim sampadam abhijatosi, you are born with divine qualities. You are destined to be a divine person, you know, you are destined to be divine. You are born with divine tendencies and we are born with, as we said, as a result of the accumulated actions of the past and we are born with our own tendencies and dispositions, whatever it is. And we have to work on that. But you know, you are born with divine tendencies, so you don't worry. <clears throat> now, Lord Krishna creates a background for describing the demoniac tendencies. Therefore, the sixth verse tells us, Dvobhuta sargau lokesmin Daiva asura evacha Daivo vistarasha proktaha Asuram partha Here, Juna, in this world, there are two kinds of people. Daivaha, there are people who are, who, who display divine tendencies. And there are those who display the demoniac tendencies. There are devutas and there are gods and demons. <clears throat> they are all human beings we are talking about. There are some human beings who are, who display the divine tendencies. There are many human beings who display the demoniac tendencies. So where sattva is predominant, then the mind is pure, tranquil, 
displaying the divine tendencies. When sattva is predominant, there is automatically a tendency to do good, a tendency to contribute, a tendency to offer, because the person feels good about himself or herself. Person feels inner wealth, inner richness, inner comfort, whenever reaches out. <clears throat> when rajas is predominant, then there is a keen awareness of one's inadequacy and that a person wants things. He wants pleasure, he wants gratification of senses, he wants gratification of ego. The person, predominant rajas, wants gratification because feels highly inadequate within oneself and therefore the only way to feel adequate is to say, gain gratification, level of senses and level of ego. <coughs> and <coughs> this person may perform actions which are righteous, but now and then is bound to perform actions that are unrighteous also. <clears throat> Whenever his desires uh, overtake his capacities, then you find him also violating values. But where the tamas is predominant, there is violation of values. That fellow follows adharma. He 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 just is he is somehow impelled to do what is wrong. What is prohibited in the scriptures? What goes against the values? What goes against the order? Therefore we say there are three qualities actually. The Deva, Asura, Rakshasa. The divine, the demoniac, and the worst, the Rakshasas. <coughs> but here, the Rakshasas and Asuras are grouped into one. They are called Asuri Sampat, Rishra Daivan. So, Daivo Vistarashaf Prabhupada here, Arjuna, I will describe to you in great, in detail, the divine tendencies. <clears throat> Not only here, but Lord Krishna has described this in many of the places in Bhagavad Gita earlier, as we told you on the very first day, in second chapter, in the twelfth chapter, the thirteenth chapter, in the fifteenth chapter, etc. So, I will describe in detail. Asuram Parthameshwaram. But Lord Krishna did not have much occasion to describe the demoniac tendencies. They were mentioned. Now and then, these tendencies were mentioned, but they are not described. So Lord Krishna says, now I will describe to you the demoniac tendency. So beginning from next verse up to the end of the chapter, Lord Krishna essentially describes the demoniac tendencies. Not naming the tendencies. Name is already done. Dambaha, Darpaha, Vimana, what those tendencies are already told. But now Lord Krishna describes people. The people possessing demoniac tendencies, how do they behave? What is their thinking? What is their perception? What are their beliefs? A person with demoniac tendencies, what kind of beliefs does he have? What kind of conclusions or what kind of values does he have? What kind of frame of mind does he have? What kind of actions he performs? So we can see. And therefore, Lord Krishna, in fact, instead of simply naming the tendencies, he dramatizes them or 
describes those tendencies as manifest in life. So that this becomes very clear to us. What is a demon becomes very clear. Devo vistrasya praktaha asparam parthameshvanam he parthai yarjuna now listen from me the the demoniac traits. <coughs> so from the verse number seven, these traits begin. Let us read that verse also. Pravrutim chanivrutim janana vidura suraha nashaucham napichacharaha nasatyam teshu vidyate asuraha naviduhu this demoniac tendency, people possessing the demoniac tendencies, they just do not know this. Pravrtimcha nivrtimcha. Pravrti, what should be done? Nivrti, what should be avoided? You know, this basic insight we should have. What we should do? We should naturally do the things that is helpful to us. And avoid things that are hurtful to us and others. Ideally, we should do things that are helpful to us and others also, and avoid doing things, doing things that are hurtful to us and others. So first is called dharma, a righteous behavior, which is a behavior which is helpful for my own growth as well as conducive to the well-being of others. Adharma, unrighteousness is conducive to my own downfall and also bringing about hurt to other people as well. So human being is in a position where he can help himself or hurt himself. Dharma, what we call dharma, the righteous behavior, is the actions which are helpful, helpful to me, conducive to my self-growth, conducive to my happiness. Adharma, unrighteous actions are those which are conducive to my unhappiness, conducive to sorrow, conducive to bondage. So there is something called dharma and adharma, right and wrong in our life. Now Swami, God has made everything. What is right and what is wrong? Now these are all philosophical questions they ask, you know. Why do you, distinct, why do you say that these actions will be performed in such and such day? What is this astrology? This is Rahu Kalam. This time is, is bad for doing this. Do this on this day, on the other day, in that corner, in other corner. You see, you should have the kitchen in this corner, the prayer room in this corner, toilet in some other corner, perform home here. What is this? And on this day, you can travel in north direction. Don't travel in north on a given day. If you go into these, there are all kinds of things. People get frustrated with this and they, they refuse. They say, what is this? Everything is the same. It's all made by God after all. Just because it is made by God doesn't mean everything is the same. God has made scorpions also and snakes also and lions also. That doesn't mean lions and 
and the, and the deer are the same, or a scorpion, and it is not the same. Everything is made by God, doesn't mean it's all the same. Swamiji says natural, it's a big, you know, fan, natural. Everything is natural. What is not natural? The steam water is also natural, you know, containing all kinds of salts and, you know, you, you can't even drink, it's still natural. So anyway, but as I said, even though God has made everything, everything is not made for everybody. Everything is good in its own place. But everything is not good for everybody. Poison also has its own place. The, uh, the scorpion is good in his own place, but not in my pocket. The snake is good where he is not in my house. They are all doing their job in making their contribution to the scheme of things. And so they are all required, they are all fine in their own place, but not out of place. So there is some rhythm in our life. And when there is rhythm, then following the rhythm is right, violating the rhythm is wrong. Therefore, doing certain things, as I said, what is order, I should not do unto others, what I do not want to be done to me, I should reach out to others the way I want them to reach out. Basic rules. So these rules are there. Following the rule is called dharma, violating that is called dharma. But these fellows just don't know. Don't know means it just doesn't occur to them. What is right? Pravritti and nivritti. What they should do that will help them and what they should do that will hurt them. They don't know. Pravrtimcha nivrtimcha janana asuraha janaha naviduhu the people with demoniac tendencies, they just cannot, they, they, they cannot perceive this. They cannot comprehend this. Nashaucham, they don't have cleanliness. Neither external cleanliness, nor inner cleanliness. I think that the external confusion in life arises from inner confusion anyway. When you see external things, the people are very confused and unclean, perhaps the mind also is very confused. These people are impure in the mind and therefore impure outwardly also. The body also is impure, the everything is impure. Na shaucham, na no achara There is no good conduct. In their life, you do not find good conduct. Do not find even civilized conduct sometimes. Na satyam vidyade and there is no truthfulness in them. There is no truthfulness, no purity, no sanctity, no good conduct, and no, no comprehension of what is right and what is wrong. This is how the demoniac people are. Meaning they are unclean, they are given to bad conduct, they are deceitful, they are uh, characterized by falsehood. This is the nature of these people having demoniac tendencies. And how these tendencies manifest themselves in their life is what Lord Krishna describes subsequently. We will see it uh, in the next class. <coughs> Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate 
Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Hari Om